0: Hello, I am Dr. Kathleen Hall and this is the way I see it. Today I'm here with Dr. Jim Hickson. He is the medical director of the Mindful Living Network and the Stress Institute that we have. He's also a board-certified gastroenterologist and internal medicine, a leader in the community, and uh, also happens to be my husband of many, many decades now, dear, right? Correct. (laughs) And What we're going to talk about today is I think we can't live in Atlanta, Georgia, as long as we have. And Jim, you're from the South, so I don't think that we can go by this milestone without having uh, some discussion about John Lewis and his legacy on all of us, not just the United States, not just the South, not just on one race, but on the world. And so today, that's what I would like us to talk about. And I consider, as um, John Meacham did, that John Lewis was a living saint. Um, and of course, I've been involved in a lot of social justice things and women's mo- movement, civil rights, human rights, uh, gay rights, everything in Atlanta and around the country. But especially, you could not be involved in anything like that in Atlanta, LBGTQ rights, anything. And John was there. He was there on innumerable occasions. And and again. If you ever met John, and if you haven't, please look at movies of him—not when he's just giving speeches, but when he's just with somebody. His presence is so powerful and dynamic. He just ooze, uh, oozes vulnerability and, and love, and kindness, and fluidity, and honesty. You know, um, I, I think you know. I studied Gandhi a lot, of course, and Arun Gandhi, who was Mahatma Gandhi's grandson. Uh, is, is a good friend, was a friend for uh, some time. And we talked about the term that uh, Gandhi came up with, which was satyagraha, satya graha, satya means truth. And graha means the energy that comes when you live the truth. And I think whether it's Christ or Buddha or people like John or King, people that live the truth, a truth, it, it, there's an energy like a wave in an ocean that emanates from it or a vibration that when you sing and it echoes into the wilderness... Um, or a wild animal at night that howls or hoots and you hear it echo into the woods. There's no stopping it, it's natural. And so that's kind of what John was. He was our, uh, John was our um, eagle that was calling out, our hawk that was calling out. He is our owl that was hooting in the night. Um, he, he, and he will continue that. You couldn't be around John without experiencing his grace and his light and his love. And again, I think John Meacham, who happens to be an Episcopalian, and of course I know, most of you probably know who John Meacham is, a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I've read all of his books. He's an amazing historian. Uh, one of our time for sure. Or one of the, I think one of the greatest that ever lived. And when he called him a living saint, I think if you grew up as Catholic in Catholic schools like I did, and you were taught about saints, and no matter how difficult my life was, and my life was pretty darn difficult, Um, with uh, abuse in the home and violence and all kinds of horrors that when we sat at mass in those um, pews and whether it was the priest or the nuns or people talked about saints and living saints I never understood them as being like they were born with a special seal or they were born with a circle around them or with a special light the way that we were always taught about saints is they were regular people they were people that were farmers or people that had killed somebody or people that were uh, teachers or mothers, Do you know, uh, just regular. You've heard me, Jim, talk about saints that I've loved, and I taught about the saints, you know, when I taught World Religions and when I taught at Emory. Um, so saints are regular people. So I think people maybe that aren't Catholic keep thinking that they're people that, were, that came in, you know, like a Christological figure, but the thing about a living saint is that they came as a regular person. And it was the decisions that they made in their lives that turned them into saints. It wasn't that they were born saints. And dictionaries define a saint as someone who's died and been recognized and honored by the Christian church because their life was a perfect example of how a Christian should live. And, you know, you're, you're grounded in the gospel of everyday life that each of us can be better human beings. John did simple things that the gospel speaks about, which we should all do. Turn the other cheek, love others as yourself. Spend a lifetime being a good Samaritan, picking people up out of the ditch when nobody else picks them up and walks by and doesn't look at the stranger. To pick up the voiceless out of the proverbial ditch, lifting them up for possible redemption. John saw redemption in everyone. And I think with what's going on, and Jim and you and I talk about this, it's politics now, it's COVID, it's uh, August of 2020. uh, uh, Fight over what's freedom. Can I wear masks, not masks? I don't care if I kill you with COVID. I mean, this country has been ripped riots, literally riots, not just peaceful demonstrations. Um, And I, I think that this is a time for redemption for all of us. So I think it's interesting that a man who lived his life on the theme of redemption should be here right now. But instead of us, our fabric, I really believe this, the fabric of our country, and I think the fabric of each of us, a lot of us is being torn in half right now, or or being, let's not say totally torn, being pulled very tightly.
1: I agree with that, and I I have a unique experience of being raised as a child in the segregated South. Um, I happen to come up in 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 a home of privilege, and one of the things i never understood was segregation it was always a puzzle to me and it why we had separation and as a young child one of the f- first people i knew and came to know uh was john lewis who at a very young age was an activist and i think that that's something that uh, i always looked up to him as someone who was willing to die was willing to suffer for the devotion to his ideal and I just think that it he was an icon for many of us as as a as a not just a saint as you call him, but as a hero because you got to remember in the south there were a lot of us white people many 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 who felt that segregation was wrong and it had to end and something had to change we also felt that education for both blacks and whites was a way out of this problem and so we all were striving for that and and to, to get to a better place together. And John was always about that. He was always the high road. He was always about love. He was always about peace. And wherever you saw him, you, violence may have followed him, he never created it.
0: Well, also, He was I, the victim of it. Well, and I think you've you know you've really affected my life tremendously because I didn't grow up here. I didn't grow up in the South. So I've never seen what you've experienced. When you told me where it said white only, colored, the bathrooms were separate, you went to segregated schools, I think, most of your life?
1: All my life.
0: All your life? Um, until
1: I reached college.
0: Until you reached college. You never, it, it just breaks my heart to even think about it. Um, and then you talk about the bathrooms, that it was a norm for you, right? Colored and whites?
1: Absolutely. Water fountains, restaurants. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. When we, the, the pejorative way we treated the other was, uh, was despicable.
0: And, and then in your hardware store, what if somebody came in and had to go to the bathroom?
1: They just had to go somewhere else. There was no place for them, and so it was—it was—it was a terrible, terrible place to to be raised in at that time. And he was—he was a beacon of hope.
0: But also, I think it's important to realize that people like you that grew up as a child in that part of your propensity to get an education and get out of where you grew up—the small town in South Georgia—was you said that hearing the N word, hearing the seeing the signs, seeing the way that black people were treated. Seeing what was going on in the world, uh, you said that that was part of your biggest drive to get out of there. Was you knew an education was your only way to go out and not ever go back, is what you told me when we first Absolutely,
1: started. absolutely. And not. you
0: said that the other thing was being a doctor, you could make a difference. And um, and I think it's interesting now that probably most of your practice is African American, black, who you love, who you cherish, um, and we've spent our whole life as we well know, whether it's starting um, foundations or working with inner city African-American black boys to help encourage and change their lives. And part of that inspiration came from your childhood of seeing the injustice and part of my hearing your stories and asking what we can do. Here we go back to redemption to redeem the childhood that you had and the experience that you've had. Because I didn't have that as a primary experience. I've, I've seen it in these clips we see during John Lewis's death. I see the white and the black bathrooms, get it. I see all that stuff, and then you tell me you lived it. it, It's like we lived two unbelievably different lives.
1: Absolutely. The, The South in the 50s and 60s was a different place. We have transformed tremendously in this country. We've come millions of miles. We have millions of miles to go, but we can get there with love and honor and respect. We can also get there with what I talked about earlier. We must hold high. Education. Every person in this country must become educated. We've got to keep pushing for that because the more education we have, the more we listen to other people, the more understanding we have, the more compassion we have. John Lewis was a perfect example of that, and we should all take that going forward.
0: And also I think we can't judge, you know, people judge people, a lot of people like Jim that grew up in the South and maybe it was segregation of South, and think less of him. I'll never forget, I'm not from the South, I came from Ohio and was raised in Florida and um, very educated and everything, I met Jim. And part of my mother had a heart attack when I brought Jim home and he had a Southern accent and she hated him, for didn't she, for a very long time. And in the same vein, Jim's mother hated me, His, your mother hated me, and it was because she saw me as the, the feminist, um, uh, civil libertarian, uh, social justice person coming into the South, changing their norms. So he and I, after over well over 40 years of marriage, have had deep, deep uh, love and discussion and reverent respect of of again, I, I would call it redemption. I I think, and I even think that marriage and great friendships is is, is a lifelong act of redemption, uh, let alone uh, slavery or racism or sexism or whatever. And again, I love that word, and I think it's it's a word that we keep using in a religious frame only and not taking it maybe as a psychological or a spiritual construct for our lives
1: I agree I think we we must all continue to grow, evolve and change, we've all been in situations that we wish we hadn't been in before we can make a difference, we can be open we can be loving, we can be compassionate we can be understanding and that's the way forward for all of us John embodied that like no one you'll ever know and We will dearly miss him.
0: So what I'd like to do is, um, and and so we've talked about a few of our words. I don't want to leave John's life without maybe reflecting on some words that were spoken about John uh, on the week of his death. And so I thought uh, Jim and I would go back and forth. And in case you missed some of these illustrious Americans and what they said about John, I'd like to just repeat some Mm -hmm. of the amazing things they said. Um, Jim, do you want to start out with what Mitt Mitt Romney said?
1: Absolutely. Mitt Romney uh, as we all know now, we have a divide in this country, uh, Democrat and Republican, uh, that prevents us from doing a lot of things now. The divide is really terrible, and we have got to break this divide and unite. It's interesting that Mitt Romney, a Republican senator from Utah, who's very progressive, very intelligent, and well educated man, I might add, had this to say about John Lewis. With the passing of John Lewis, America has lost not only a man of history, but a man for our season. Oh, how much! Oh, how we need such men of unwavering principle, unassailable character, penetrating purpose, and heartfelt compassion.
0: I love that, I do. Uh, and I'd like to read one by John Meacham. My, my! Uh, I just love him, anyway. Saints are willing to die, to suffer, for their devotion to an ideal. John's instinct was to live with reversals. I want you to think about this. John's instinct was to live with reversals. Be kind when your instinct is to be cruel. When our human instinct is to be greedy, be giving. John Lewis is a transcendent figure in history. John Lewis believed love was not an ideal. Love is a reality. When you were with John, it felt like you were in the presence of another worldliness. And John Meacham can speak to this because his his, uh, biography will be out this month, by the way, on John Lewis. And they became very close.
1: Another interesting uh, Republican I'd like to read was a quote from President George Bush. He, in his uh, eulogy at uh, John Lewis's funeral, he said, We've always uh, been able to communicate. We may disagree, but we've never been disagreeable. And he had this to say about him. God asked, Whom shall I send? With Isaiah responding, Here am I, send me. George Bush comparing the civil rights icon to the biblical prophet Isaiah. John Lewis heard that call a long time ago in segregated Alabama, and he took up the work of the Lord through all his days. His lesson to all of us is that we must all keep ourselves open to hearing the call of love, the call of service, and the call to sacrifice for others. John answered, hate and fear with love and hope. How powerful that statement was.
0: And do we ever need it now more now than ever,
1: ever, ever.
0: With the hate and fear, that the fear-mongering that's going on in this election, the hate with masks, no masks, this COVID crisis, uh, I, I just, it's, it's breaking my heart. So all of us, please, please, let's be redeemed by love and fear. Thank you, George Bush, for that. And also, David Remnick said... We all need to inherit John's fierce optimism. He never, ever, ever gave in to despair. His effervescent optimism never failed him. So, And also, please, this has been a time of despair, don't you think?
1: Oh, you absolutely. And I, you and I turn absolutely. on the
0: news. Uh, most people can't watch the news. Uh, we have, what, over 1,000 people dying a day, uh, or up to 160,000, 70,000 people dead from covid uh, we have an election that's getting more vicious by the day, elections all across the country. And if we look across the world, um, it's just, please, we cannot give in to despair. We have got to be redeemed by John right now. And again, um, by his image, by, by the strength we need right now. Would you like to uh, do Bill Clinton?
1: Sure. Bill Clinton at the funeral also in his eulogy stated I would infect every American with whatever it was that John Lewis got as a four-year-old kid and took him through a lifetime to keep moving and to keep moving in the right direction and to keep bringing other people to move and to do it without hatred in his heart with a song of love and to be able to sing and dance. President Clinton said if he could ask for one thing before he died, this would be his wish. I think John... Uh, uh, really carried the mantle of one of the sayings that I think about sometimes, and I always talk to Kathleen about this, is sometimes we get in moments of despair, we get down, we get depressed. I look up and I say, we must must endeavor to persevere. We must endeavor to persevere. John lived that every day of his life. And that's my amen.
0: And finally, uh, Senator Cory Booker said... The most powerful force on earth will always be unarmed truth and love. Most people measure life on wealth and possessions. John's measure of life was an undaunted commitment to justice for all. He taught us what hope is. Hope is callous. Hope is bloody battle. Hope is a muscle that needs to be flexed every single day. He saw dignity and divinity in all people. Oh, God, I just love that. You see, we think of hope as some effervescent. Sweet, like a bubble, you know, like a butterfly. And baby, he's just calling it out. Hope is callous. Hope is bloody. It's a bloody battle. Isn't that cool? I just love it. I mean, that's the battle cry. And so how I would um, like to leave John today is um, to say that we've talked about John, but John's gone. And yes, his legacy is going to live on. But each of us, each of our hearts and minds and souls have been touched Again, we do not need to despair. We need effervescent hope. We need dignity. We need redemption. This is a time for every single... Remember what saints are. They're regular people like us. So I don't care if you're a ditch digger. I don't care if you're a teacher, a doctor, a plumber, a mom, uh, at home unemployed. Each of us, each of us are called to the gospel. And again, I'm not really extremely religious at all, but by the gospel, I mean the tenets of every faith. I was a professor of world religions, and by that I mean turn the other cheek, be kind, loving, forgive. And we have to realize, please, this is not the masks, the fighting, the red and blue fighting. It's not about our independence. Everybody keeps saying it's about our freedom, our independence, why don't want to wear a mask. This time in history is showing us We will not survive without interdependence. And that's what John was all about. Redemption means interdependence. And again, whether it's a successful marriage like we've had, don't you think whether it's being a physician in the group that you've had at your hospital, Jim, it's interdependence?
1: You have to work together.
0: We have have to to work together. This is the the most insane thing. And uh, just like bringing a family together, we are one family. We are the United States of America. It's called the United States of America, interdependence. So, okay, I'm calling everybody to sainthood. If you have any ideas for shows or want to have a conversation, please uh, go to info at our O-U-R-M-L-N.com or info at mindful network.com and write me Kathleen Hall. And uh, I'd love, we'd love to talk about what you want to talk about any response to anything that we've said. Love to hear you. Um, I want to thank you, Jim, for being here today. Um, I know you got to rush off to the hospital. Um, And I'm very, very grateful for your reflection because, again, most people can see these things on television. You lived through that these times. It was was where you were born and raised, and so I I honor your reflection of this too. So thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure as always.
0: And this is The Way I See It, and I am Dr. Kathleen Hall. Thank you for sharing our time today. Bye-bye.